Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. And amen. Obviously, tonight we do come to Luke chapter number two. We've read the first 20 verses of this chapter together as a congregation. And uh, these 20 verses is what most would consider the Christmas story. As I mentioned, Ian, uh, just uh, just a little bit earlier as we read the verses before we read them, I mentioned that uh, this was the Christmas story that we had read on Sunday night to our young people during the rocking chair service. And when we think about what the story story of Christmas entails. It is normally the details that come from these 20 verses that we uh, usually most uh, most uh, commonly reference. However, I would submit to you tonight that the Christmas story is not this, only this uh, period of, of uh, Scripture, this passage of Scripture. And uh, we can make different arguments for different places. I, I think you can find the story of Christmas in John 3.16. I think you can find the story of Christmas in John chapter number 1 and the verses that follow there, even in verse number 1, I think you can find the story of Christmas really anywhere in the Bible that talks about uh, Jesus being our Savior. You can find the uh, the true meaning of Christmas in. But what we would commonly refer to as the story of the first Christmas or the Christmas story uh, really is uh, four uh, individual blocks of Scripture, four individual passages of Scripture. The one that we have read from tonight would be uh, third in the chronological sequence of uh, the events that transpired uh, uh, leading up to the first Christmas. The first passage would be preceding Jesus' birth and foretelling of Jesus' birth, Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26 through 56, where uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, receives word that uh, she is going to be overshadowed by the Holy Holy Ghost, and that God had selected her to be uh, the physical mother of His uh, Son that would bring the Savior into the world. And the verses that uh, follow follow that chronological timeline as she has received that message that that message from God's messenger, and uh, then begins to praise the Lord with those wonderful words of what has been uh, coined her magnificent or her song or words of pray of praise. In prayer to the Lord. And so that's Luke chapter number 1, verse 26 through 56. And then the account of Matthew chapter number 1, verse 18 through verse number 25 would come next. As following this event, the Bible talks about uh, Joseph discovering and finding out that Mary was with child and then was faced with the dilemma of uh, what would their future look like and uh, was he supposed to uh, stay a spouse to her? her? Or was there supposed to be a writing of divorcement? And was there supposed to be a putting away uh, of her? And so uh, we also know that the Bible says that he received a message in a dream and how God changed his heart to not put her away, but to uh, stay in the espousal and stay in uh, the marriage, if you will. And uh, so there's uh, that portion. And then that leads us up to our text 
the third part of the Christmas story here in Luke chapter number one, verse uh, twenty through, or verse uh, chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter number two, verse one through uh, twenty, where we find the account of uh, Mary and Joseph being called to the land of uh, their nativity, called by a taxation, by a, a census that is being called by uh, Caesar Augustus, the nephew of Julius Caesar, the leader of this, uh, the uh, the leader of uh, the most powerful nation in the world, the emperor of Rome at this time. He comes in, he gives that census, and the whole reason behind all of that, just like any government agency, is to figure out what is the right amount to tax everyone on what they own and their property, amen. He wanted to make sure he had the right amounts on taxation, so he called for a census and how God used, amen, amen, even something as much as we hate is taxes uh, to, to bring about the fulfillment of his prophecy, amen. To fulfill Micah chapter 5 in verse number 2, where the Bible says that the Savior, that Christ, God's Son, would come into the very little town of Bethlehem that is small in the eyes of the world, Bethlehem Ephrathah, and that the Savior would come and it gets them into that area, amen. And God used the scene of that particular point in history to bring his son to that, or to bring Mary to that place and Joseph to that place to where they would be right where God prophesied the Savior would be for him to be born. We understand that it was while they were there taking care of business, getting ready uh, for the census uh, that the whole uh, world of that day should be taxed, that, uh, that she began to, uh, uh, the days according to verse 6 were accomplished that uh, she should be delivered and verse 7 just simply says that she brought forth her firstborn son. So Jesus is born and then so we find the account of the immediate context of the moment and the time and the place where Jesus was born. And then to, uh, to fi finish up the Christmas story you have the account of uh, Matthew chapter number 2 verse number 1 through 12 and the only reason I even include that uh, in the Christmas story is because the events of that passage begin surrounding the birth of Christ. Uh, I don't know about you but I just personally would submit to you that according to the Bible amen the wise men don't belong at a nativity scene. Uh, according to the Bible the wise men do not belong in a Christmas play. Uh, they did not present three gifts to baby Jesus. Uh, that did not happen according to the scriptures. The gold and the frankincense and the myrrh was presented to a child that would look about the age and perhaps even the size of my youngest son Joey. Uh, we know that because Herod was killing children two years old and under trying to make sure that he would kill uh, the one that was destined to be uh, the king of the Jews. And so that passage takes place much later. They are not in a manger. They are not in a stable. They are in a house. And Jesus is not a baby according to the passage. He is a young child. And so I include that in the Christmas story just simply because it began when Jesus was born, but even though it concluded much later. Amen. So there are four parts to the Christmas story. Tonight I am in, in particular, uh, I am interested in a portion of the third part, the third uh, area in the chronology of the Christmas story. And in particular I am interested in a group of individuals that takes up the majority of that third text that are individuals that I uh, believe are very 
very interesting when we study the uh, and uh, their involvement in the Christmas story, and that is uh, this group of individuals called the shepherds. In verse number 8 through verse number 20, their involvement takes up the majority of this third part of the Christmas story. The most well-known part of the Christmas story cannot be uh, dictated or shared or declared in any way without mentioning these shepherds. While uh, biblically the wise men don't belong at the nativity scene, and why biblically the wise men didn't come until arrive at least until much, much later. Amen. The shepherds were there and witnessed the Christ child, witnessed the manger, and witnessed Mary and Joseph in that moment on what we would call the very first Christmas. Tonight I'm interested in studying them and how they apply to us, how they speak to us. Again, I'd say this is somewhat devotional, somewhat practical, uh, personal even, amen, as I see much that we can learn from and much that we can glean from to apply to our lives from the lives of these shepherds. And tonight I'm going to, with that thought in mind, I want to preach on the subject, the shepherds and me. I want, by the time we're done, for everybody to say within their heart and within their mind, that's what God's Word says about the shepherds, but what about me? So we'll preach on the shepherds and me with the help of God. In this passage of Scripture, there is a multitude of things, truly, that we can apply to our lives out of just what is told us about these shepherds. Tonight I'm going to do something that I've never tried to do before, and y'all just going to have to hang on, and I'm going to have to preach a lot of things really quick. But I have found, and I may not get, I, I doubt I'll get to all of them, but, and, and if I do, I may just hold on to the rest of them until uh, another Christmas time. Amen. Uh, but in this passage of Scripture, there are 17 similarities that I have seen that I want in my life that these shepherds have. Let's jump right into them tonight if we can. Number one, I want to submit to your heart that these shepherds, first of all, were close to the Savior. These are not going to be alliterated, so you'll just have to listen for them. They were close to the Savior. Now here in this passage, when I say close, I'm talking about within the realm of their geography, within the realm of their physical proximity to the Savior. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. It is the very first thing we read about these shepherds. And there were in the same country. In other words, in the same region, not just in the same nation, but this word country literally identifies the same region, the same parcel of ground in a very close proximity. The shepherds were in the same country, in the same region, near the same place that we find verse number 7 where the Bible says, and she, speaking about Mary, 
Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him uh, for them rather in the uh, here we see they were in the same country in other words it did not amen was not very far that they had to go uh, to find where Jesus was amen there are some uh, that some scholars that would even uh, surmise that they did not have to go amen uh, even off of a property where they were grazing and where they were watching their flock then there are some that have beliefs that would put them literally right in uh, right on the back sides of the same field amen there are some that believe that from the very uh, from the very message they get from the angel these shepherds knew exactly where to go and it wasn't but just a few paces from where they uh, were just outside of their physical viewpoint to go and to see uh, the Christ child but however that is not mentioned here in the verses but what is mentioned is that they were in the same country shepherds the Bible says the shepherds were there they were in close proximity to the Savior and as I read that verse as God began to speak to me with this afternoon about some of these things I began to ask myself remember the shepherds and me the shepherds and us is what we're talking about tonight I began to wonder really when it comes to God and his perspective and view of my life how close am I to the shepherd or excuse me to the Savior how close are we as a congregation, as individual believers? How close are we? What kind of proximity is there between us and our Savior? I'd submit this tonight. I believe all of us could bridge the gap a little bit more. I believe all of us could afford to be closer. Amen. So we see they were close to the shepherd. That's number one. But then number two, I want to say this. They were workers. The Bible says in verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds. The Bible calls them and uses the word shepherds. Notice this. The Bible said there were shepherds abiding in the field. When you study the Word of God, when you talk about fields in the Bible, that is always a picture of labor. It is a place of labor, a place of work. Amen. Uh, I'm sure some of you, especially uh, some of you uh, silver-haired saints, remember days of working in fields, laboring in fields. When, when mom and dad would say, hey, it's time to go to the field. It wasn't a vacation y'all were headed to. Amen. It wasn't a, it, it wasn't a luxury lodge just called the field. Amen. But it was a place of labor. Amen. It was a place of hard work. Amen. The Bible says they were laboring in the field. They weren't working. Amen. They were shepherding in the field. And I'm not going to take the time to go through very many uh, details about uh, shepherding, amen. But I will say this, shepherding is not necessarily a job I'd be all too interested in. Amen. I don't, I try not to, I, I don't consider myself a lazy person, but I'm not interested in being a shepherd really. 
I don't know how you are, but it's a 24-7 job. It's a 365-day-a-year job. Amen. Seven, seven days a week they are watching and they are keeping track of all of these sheep's sheep multitude of animals in a field that they are responsible for. Great levels of responsibility that has been entrusted to them. And if you believe the way some uh, uh, scholars believe, these, these shepherds are not just watching any sheep. There's a great possibility they are watching uh, the, the temple's sheep. The sheep that were designed to be. Uh, the sheep used in the temple sacrifices of the day. So not only is it hard work amen, but it, it was important work. These were workers and I'm telling you tonight just like these shepherds when God looks at me, I want him to look at a worker. I want him to look at a laborer. Amen. We've already preached about it uh, before but the Bible tells us in the Luke's gospel that we uh, the Bible says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. When it comes to being a Christian, just like being a shepherd, it is a 24-7 or at least it ought to be in your life work for God. It is 365 days a year being a child of God, representing him well, doing the tasks that he's laid before us. It's not something that we should be all too ready to lay down. Amen. And take days off of. No. We ought to be workers faithfully laboring and what God has given us just like these shepherds were entrusted their sheep. God has entrusted us with some things. We ought to be workers. Amen. They were close to the Savior. They were workers. Amen. I'll say this. They were caring. You say, preacher, why, where do you see that? Well, the Bible says that they were in the same country. Shepherds. Not only was their work important, not only was it dirty labor and tough labor and hard work, but their work was a work that had to be done with a big heart. For you to really be a shepherd, one of the crowning, uh, one of the crowning characteristics of shepherding in the Bible is the care that shepherds give uh, to their sheep. Amen. Uh, one of the greatest things that uh, the Bible calls uh, God Himself is God compares Him to a loving shepherd. He is a good shepherd who loves His sheep and gives His life, gave His life for His sheep. Amen. Uh, the twenty-third Psalm would not be what it is if it was. Not not for the passage where the verse where it talks about him anointing our head with oil. Amen. And our cup running over. That anointing oil would be put on those sheep everywhere. They'd get hurt or blemished or injured in some way. And the shepherd would put on that anointing oil to give a salve to them and, and healing for their hurts. Amen. Why would a shepherd keep the oil on him? It's because the shepherd cares. It's because the shepherd loves those sheep. Amen. And here we find these shepherds uh, caring for their sheep. And as I read this this afternoon, God, and pray, as, I, as I prayed, and God put this on my heart, and then began to study the text out, God began to ask me about how, how caring I am, how concerned I am. How 
how concerned are we as the children of God a lot of times amen we are self concerned and self obsessed but not very concerned about others not very concerned about uh, meeting needs and ministering to folks and, and loving on people the way that Christ did in his ministry Jesus said that the world would know that we belong to him because of our love for the brethren amen the word of God the world would know us by our love amen how much we care and I believe in caring about the souls of men and women and amen that's why we're going to have a soul winning seminar amen caring about souls wanting to sharpen our sword in soul winning wanting to become better at telling people about Jesus amen and getting more uh, insight from uh, folks that are uh, so knowledgeable in, in the area amen like Dr. Wood is amen uh, so I want us to care about souls uh, amen but I want us to care about just uh, every area of individual's life amen God tells us the Bible tells us Paul wrote to us under the inspiration of God I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 amen that we are to be ministers approved unto God that are working uh, together workers in verse 1 workers together with God amen in the area of ministry having about having an approved ministry amen ministry is about people I've heard it said before uh, that and, and, and preachers say this and they they laugh at it and they think it's a cute saying but I've heard it said many times before if it wasn't for people ministry would be easy but I'll say this if it wasn't for people ministry would be very difficult because you can't have ministry without people It'd be really hard for me to pastor this church if there were no people in it. You know why? Because I wouldn't have anybody to pastor. I can call myself what I want, but without you here, I'm not a pastor anymore. Amen. I may be I may be a preacher. Amen. I've spent different areas of my life, different different things. Amen. Amen. I was a young preacher. Hey, I guess I still am, but a non-pastoring preacher. Amen. I was a young preacher, and uh, then, uh, amen. Then I was a pastor, and I did. I was a pastor in my first church, and then I wasn't a pastor anymore, and I was just a preacher again. And uh, then uh, uh, a year from the day of me taking that church, this church called and uh, right uh, one year to the date I became your pastor and uh, God put me in pastoring again and uh, so uh, I'm in a pastoral ministry now amen to where I'll minister to others I'll preach to others amen I try to live a Christian life and when I get outdoors of opportunity I'll go out and minister to other congregations but as far as I'm concerned the majority of my labor the majority of my concern the majority of my effort is going to be focused right here with this church body amen as far as ministering to a particular congregation and group of people amen ministry is a caring ministry you won't go very far as a servant of God without caring about people amen I wonder how your care is tonight amen these shepherds were prime examples of uh, passionate and caring people and I want to be that kind of man and that kind of Christian amen let me say this as well fourthly not only were they close to the shepherd not only were they workers not only were they caring but they were faithful notice this little word here the Bible says in verse 8 and they were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field if the field represents labor 
and it represents hard work and it represents dirty work and it represents uh, it represents vigorous work amen I would say this the fact that they were abiding in that kind of work and abiding in that field is commemorable amen it is commemorable that they would be abiding you know what abiding simply means if I could compare it to a word it'd be faithfulness they had stickability. They had planted their feet in a work and they were not going to be removed from it. I'm telling you if there's anything that we're missing in our churches today is people that are willing to abide. Abide with Christ. Abide in a, a, a fellowship with Him and a relationship with Him. To abide in the same local church. To abide in areas of service. Uh, to abide in any kind of ministry. To abide in our Bible reading. To abide in our prayer time. To abide in our soul winning to abide in any area of devotion in life at all. Amen. Not just, not just in the Christian realm, but even in the secular realm. Amen. Finding people that are faithful is something that is more difficult today than it's ever been. We're living in an hour right now to where, uh, to where those that find themselves in the area of being employers are having a hard time finding people to work. Why? They don't have any stickability. Amen. They don't want to abide in anything. Definitely not in a field. Definitely not in a labor. Amen. We see the effects of, of, of that in our day. Amen. These shepherds should be commended for their faithfulness. Amen. And by the Bible said that Paul wrote to us on the inspiration of God in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I believe it is. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What does God want from your life? God wants faith. Amen. I would submit to you tonight that if God wants three character qualities out of an individual's life, I believe if we were, if we are humble, if we are filled with faith, amen, and we are faithful, amen, and have some abiding stickability, there's no telling where we could go with God. If we will just trust God and believe God and be humble and not be uh, not be too big for our breaches, amen, and concerned with ourselves and then once God starts using us to not let it get to our head and just stay faithful God will use our lives in ways that we would never imagine amen they were faithful and I want to be faithful too and I'm encouraging you tonight to have a desire in your life to be a faithful person amen number five they were watchful notice what the Bible says here in verse eight I've given y'all five points we're not even out of verse eight yet amen Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. The Bible says here that they were keeping watch over their flock. God had entrusted them with a work. God had entrusted them with a flock. God had entrusted them with, uh, with, with uh, these uh, sheep that they were to care for and to be faithful uh, to work with. And the Bible said that God had, had given them that task. And while they were doing it, they were being watchful. They were being vigilant. 
They kept their eyes open. God had put them in a work, and they were going to give it everything they had in their faithfulness, and they weren't going to let anything come in that God did not want to come in. The goal of a shepherd, why is a shepherd there, and the sheep aren't just left in a field by themselves? It's because those sheep need someone to watch over them, to keep them, to protect them, to fight for them. Amen. If someone wants to steal the sheep, the shepherd is there to make sure that doesn't happen. If a, if a beast wants to come and devour the sheep, the shepherd is there to make sure that doesn't happen. The rod and the staff are created for the protection of the sheep. Amen. And that shepherd is there with a watchful eye, making sure nothing's going to happen to the sheep. Amen. I wonder in our lives if God called you and I to watchfulness, and he has time and time again in his word. How watchful are we? These shepherds kept a watchful eye over their sheep, what God had entrusted to them. How watchful are we when it comes to what God has entrusted for us? Dad, how watchful are you over that bride God has given you? By the way, I believe one of the greatest reasons why Eve was able to be tempted in the garden is because as far as the Scripture is concerned, there was a husband nowhere around. I believe part of the husband's job is to be able to lead that house and protect that house and guard that house more than just with your pistol or with your rifle or your shotgun. But God has called the husband. God has put you in that position of leadership to be an individual that is a watchman on the wall for your bride and for your home. How watchful are we, dads, when it comes to our bride? How watchful are we, mom and dad, when it comes to our children? Do we know what's coming into their life? Do we know what's coming into their mind? Do we know what they're coming in contact with? Are there uh, parameters and safeguards to preserve their life? Amen. And to preserve their, uh, amen, their, uh, their attractiveness to the things of God. Amen. How watchful are we? I want to be a watchful person for my home. I want to be a watchful man. I want to be a watchful pastor for this church. The devil has a lot of things that he would love to send our way. I believe 2020 and 2021 has, the devil has sent things into churches that he has intended to wreck the body. But thank God, here we are tonight, Beacon Baptist Church. God has helped us. God has preserved us. God has watched out for us. We ought to, you ought to have a pastor watching out for you. And church members, we ought to be watching out for each other. Amen. The devil wants to divide. He wants to destroy. He wants to dismantle. Amen. He wants to confuse. Amen. He wants to do all of these things to hurt us as Christians and individuals, to split up our homes, to split up our congregation. Let's be watchful like these shepherds were. Amen. And then we see number six, they were responsible. The Bible says keeping watch over their flock by night. I've already stated this uh, just in passing, but the phrase, their flock, tells us that they're responsible. Because the fact that they have a flock, as far as I know, they didn't steal these sheep and create a flock that way. They didn't come and take them off of somebody else's hands, although uh, that was a permeate, that permeating opinion of the day. 
Shepherds were seen as untrustworthy because those on the outside looking in looked at them as lazy individuals. Even though what they did was hard, they looked at them as people that just stand back and watch sheep just graze all day and not do anything. Amen. That shows how much they understood about shepherding. Amen. And uh, they looked at them as untrustworthy. They looked at them as thieves. They believed that everything they had they had taken from somebody else. They weren't even allowed. You as a, as a Jewish individual not, would not have been able to buy anything sold from a shepherd. You would not be able to barter with a shepherd because they would believe that they were in possession of stolen goods. However, despite all of that, amen, I believe if the Bible wanted us to perceive it that way, we would have. Amen. That was a common practice of the day, but God elevates these shepherds. Amen. And God tells us by that he had a flock for them and they were keeping watch over their flock, not somebody else but the one that belonged to them. God entrusted to them. God had given them responsibility. And I'm telling you, I want to be a responsible Christian. I want to be responsible with everything God's brought into my life in 2022 more than I was in any year of the past. Amen. These shepherds speak responsibility to me. Then they were steadfast. Think about this tonight. Amen. They were steadfast. The Bible says they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Remember I said this was a task that was 24-7 duty. So 24-7 engagement, labor and occupation. When the Bible says that they were doing it, it wasn't just during the day where it was bright and shiny. A picture to us of when everything is good and everything is happy-go-lucky and everything is, uh, is, uh, uh, is pleasing to us. But when you think about what night brings, it brings a darkness. They were keeping watch at night. Even when it was harder to watch, they were still watchful. Even when the, the, uh, the scenario of their life brought darkness, if I can put it that way, they were still faithfully serving in their responsibility. They did not let the darkness uh, pull them off of their task. They were steadfast. Amen. Uh, they did it even by night. They did not quit just because it got dark. Amen. I'm telling you there's a bunch of Christians amen, uh, that have quit because the darkness came. Have quit when it got hard. Have laid their Bibles down when they got discouraged. Amen. Have quit praying. Amen. When they needed to pray more than they've ever needed to pray. I'm still amazed at how and it happens not just in this church but in every group of believers of any uh, even any denomination uh, or, uh, or Christian, uh, Christian persuasion uh, that you could even imagine. Uh, people are the same. <laughs> and it is amazing to me that when things <coughs> when, <coughs> when things get hardest, that's where people separate themselves from the Bible more than they ever have. When things get hard in their life, they pray less than they've ever had. And when things get hard, they separate themselves from a, their local church and their body of believers and their pastor more than they ever had. When things get dark, 
People lay down there, walk with God when things get dark. But these shepherds didn't do that. They abided. They stayed faithful. They were responsible and serving faithfully, amen, steadfastly, even in the dark. Think about this tonight. Look at verse number 9, amen. We're out of verse 8. Look at verse 9. Number 8 tonight. I want to say that they were candidates for God's glory to come to them. Notice what the Bible says here. And lo, while they were being faithful and serving and all the things we just mentioned, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. In other words, God in heaven decided that while these shepherds were in their field and serving and faithfully being responsible for the task that was at hand for them, that he was going to do something which, two somethings really, but that's the next point. He's going to do something here that if you study your Bible had not happened in 400 years. Two things. It'll be this point and the next. Number one, they had not seen God's glory in 400 years. From the time Malachi ends in its last chapter, there were 400 years of silence where their religion became nothing more than ritual that they knew was right. But many had, had it had morphed into what many didn't even know why it was right in, in ancient Judaism. They had not seen God's glory in 400 years. And from the time the Malachi the prophet concluded in the last chapter of Malachi until the, this moment, they had not heard from God in 400 years. There had not been another prophet that had spoken. Now God, by this point, had birthed the last, what I believe to be the last Old Testament prophet and the first New Testament preacher. But that man had not started preaching yet. The last Old Testament prophet, first New Testament preacher was John the Baptist. There was a prophet that had been born. God was going to use him, I believe, as the last prophet combining the two testaments, speaking to the nation of Israel to repent. But he had not began speaking yet. Why is God using angels to deliver these messages? It's because he had not risen up another voice yet. There had not been another prophet. He had not been using prophets. Amen. Jesus had not begun to preach yet or to teach yet. God's not using angels in that way to speak today because God is calling messenger after messenger after messenger to declare his word to tell his message to a lost and dying world. But there was no prophet in Luke chapter number 2. God dispatches his angels to give the message. And here we find that even though God had not shown his glory in this way in over 400 years now, he is choosing to show his glory to a bunch of lowly shepherds that are low in the opinion of the world and in the eyes of society. But now we find them as candidates for God to send a messenger and to dispatch in their presence the glory of God. You say, preacher, how do you apply that? I wonder if me and you tonight, where, how we stand with God right now, I wonder if we would be candidates for God's glory. 
I wonder if we'd be candidates for God to do something special in our life and in our heart and in our church like he's doing here. They were candidates for God's glory, but more than that, they were also chosen to hear a message from God. A God that had not spoken in 400 years in a, in a national message now has given these shepherds a message to declare and a message to share with the world. And that's what they did. These shepherds heard the message from God and became the Luke chapter number 2 prophets. Those that sure shared the message. Think about this tonight. I would say this, amen. I believe verse number two reminds us that God is not going to waste a message on someone that he cannot trust to do something about what they hear. I would say this, I wonder if the reason why you have it in your Bible reading or maybe you come to church and say what uh, many others do in the churches that they attend and just say, well, I think I need to find another church because I'm just not getting fed. Could it, could it be that the reason why when you read your Bible it's just black words or red words on white paper and nothing more? Could it be that the reason why you come to church and it just seems like, hey man, it just seems like Charlie Brown's teacher's preaching in the pulpit, instead of you hearing a message and it just captivating you and, and speaking to you and stirring you and drawing you not to God? Could it be because God cannot trust you to do anything with what you hear from Him? God knew that these shepherds would do exactly what they're doing in this text. They heard a message from God. God chose to send a messenger to them. And when they heard the message, what did they say? Amen. The Bible says uh, there, in uh, what is it, verse number uh, 15, the Bible said that they responded once the angels were gone, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Then verse number 16, and they came with haste. They didn't wait around and say, well, I'll, I'll listen to that message later. I'll implement that into my life later. No, they heard it. They said, we've got to go with it. And they went with haste. Amen. Have you ever thought about the fact that according to the New Testament now, these were the first people entrusted with the gospel? The Bible says this in verse number, in verse number 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for, I be, for behold, I bring you good tidings. You know those two words good tidings means? Good news, gospel. But behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Not only were they the first people entrusted with the gospel, amen. Verse number 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, amen. He said in verse 10 that that would be a message of good tidings for all people, amen. They were given an allusion to the fact that the gospel would be for Jew and Gentile. It would be for everybody. It would be good news for everybody. 
everybody. These shepherds were the first to hear that. Amen. They were the first to hear that in the city of David there was going to be a Savior, that the, His birth would be good news for every person that was in the world and that ever would be born into the world. They were the first to hear that, but they were the first people to engage themselves in what we would call a, a, a great commission. Look at verse number 15. In the middle of part of the verse, they said, let us now go. What's the first word in the Great Commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. They did not hear those words on, on the Mount of Olives from Christ, but they determined in themselves, we've been given a good message. We've been given good tidings. And right in the word good is the word go. Brother Dean Manish puts it this way. He says that the gospel should give you a go spell. See it? If you split the word up, go spell. In other words, if you have the gospel, you should be going to somebody. You should be going for God. Here they were chosen uh, to receive a message from God because God knew He could trust them with what they heard. They were definitely, uh, they were, they were definitely fulfilling the shall. Uh, verse number ten, where they said that this message shall be to all people. They were going to engage themselves in getting that message to all that they could. And the Bible tells us that's exactly what they did. The Bible says uh, that uh, the Bible said, verse 17, when they had seen it, talking about Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus in the manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad everywhere they could go, as far as they could send the message to, they made known abroad, uh, amen, the saying which was told them concerning this child, amen. And all that heard it, wondered at those things that were told them by the shepherds. They were involved in telling others about it. Amen. God sent them a message. I wonder, can God trust us with His messages? Preachers, I'll say this, that is especially, especially convicting for us. These shepherds here are not just the run-of-the-mill shepherds, but would be the priestly uh, uh, temple shepherds that would take care of the temple sacrifices. These uh, lambs that they are keeping, their, this flock that they would be keeping uh, watch over by night, these temple sheep, they would have, these shepherds would have well, cloths on them that were priestly cloths to make sure that these little lambs, they would be, they, they would, when they were being taken care of and inspected and all of that, they would wrap them in those cloths to make sure they would not injure themselves. And they had a stone manger. By the by, what uh, by what Malachi calls the Tower of Eater, Migdal Eater, where the those temple uh, shepherds would watch over their flocks, and one of the reasons why they would watch over their flocks is they would climb up in the tower, and many, one of them, the priest shepherd, would look over as the other shepherds would take care of the sheep on the ground. They would put them in a stone manger to make sure they wouldn't injure themselves harm themselves and disqualify themselves from being used in temple sacrifices. You say, why is that so important? The manger being wrapped in swaddling clothes pictures that Christ was number one, a baby, a human, but number two, that He was also the Lamb. Those shepherds would look 
at those swaddling clothes, and it was something that they did every day. They'd wrap their lambs in swaddling clothes. They would look at the, the baby in a manger, and they would know exactly that process is saying He is the Lamb of God. I take care of all of these lambs and wrap them and put them in mangers to take care of them. But this child is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, and I've received that message from heaven, means that this is not just a lamb, but this is God's lamb. And they would know that that was the purpose of him coming into the world. If they took care of sacrificial sheep, they knew he was headed to be sacrificed. They said, let us now go and see this thing that's come to pass. I wonder tonight if in your Christmas you will, like these shepherds, see this is more than a story and remember the purpose why He came. He was born to die. Jesus did not come to have a wonderful life. Jesus did not come to have the adoration of the world. He did not come to have parades thrown for him. He did not come to be, to, to be kept up in the ivory palaces of the world. He came into this world for one reason and one reason only. And the manger proves it to us. He was God's lamb. He came to die. As I think about these shepherds and me, these shepherds and us, I pray that God helps me keep the true reason of Christmas in my Christmas and the true purpose as to why He came in my everyday walk with God. And let that keep me going and keep me challenged and keep me on my knees thankful for a thrice holy God that I don't deserve that sacrifice, but I'm thankful that He's not possibly going to be my Lamb. He already is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world for all of the world. Amen. The shepherds in us. If you want the rest. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.